welcome to another episode of Block Talk presented by Feeling the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. We love a link tree because it's got all the ways you can help support Block Talk. Visit linktree.com slash michaelblocktalk to click on the links. One link reveals how you can help fund our adventure to London to cover DragCon UK, where your donation might get you an exclusive Block Talk pin. How cool is that? We've got links to Redbubble where you can purchase all of your Block Talk merchandise from t-shirts to mugs to hoodies to totes available in a variety of styles. Another link has all the platforms you can listen to the podcast, plus links to PayPal and buy me a coffee should you feel the desire to tip a host. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. constitutes a horror icon allegedly anything according to this show after flattery decided who made their way into the finale the latest episode of boulet brothers all-star season left many people scratching their heads asking so does anything prior to this episode actually matter it's time to talk all things dragula titans and joining me is a titan of being a super duper horror fan precious envy Hello, I am a horror fan. Yay! It was perfect for this episode. Perfect for this episode. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I would. I would say you're a super duper horror fan, not just like a fan of it, like watch it. You're like hardcore into. You know, after going to a couple like horror themed trivia events, I always feel like you know. I think I just like things. I don't think I'm actually in love with the things compared to other people because they're like go in. I do have my Freddy tattoo on my back, so that's. That's where my love is. My 80 slashers, my bread and butter. All right. As always, I must leave a disclaimer. This is an engine of a podcast. We're discussing a TV show where characters as presented through a television production. We are showing what the editing of a television show wants to see. We react to what's present. Yes, these are real people. They've given an opportunity to go on a television show to share their craft, but they've also been some position to discuss what is said on the podcast for the engine to discuss real television show. All right. Season five casting. <laughs> yep. Anyone you want to see next season, or are you like me impartially? You're like, don't put yourself through this because I'm going to destroy you on the podcast. I think, you know what? I always, I feel like Avant Garbage would do really well in this type of setting. She's yes a, and she no. lo- like, she yes loves and Survivor, no, she so I know like, she would. If she gets past the psych evaluation, that's mm-hmm. going to be fine. <laughs> oh, I love her though. Um, she would murder someone. We know her. She would murder someone. I don't think she'd murder someone, but I think she'd be very cunning. She'd make great TV, and her confessionals would be hilarious because she would just side eye and be really catty. Yeah, um, I I would love to see Desiree Dick out of DC. She's been on the podcast before. She's recapped Dragula with us before. Um, I'd love to see her. I know she's been in some sort of consideration before. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see if this is the trick. Um, I'm not going to be shocked if we see someone from or related to the House of Hatter um, in New York arriving on the show again. Um, yep. Virginia Thick could definitely pull it off if she wants to do it. Um, yeah, I, I can know, see her. I know Blue is probably another great candidate um, if she's got the, the tools to be ready for it. Um, but yeah, I think there's definitely some amazing monsters out there. I think they should be gaggy and put on a Rue girl. Again, give me the charity case. Oh, charity, Britain. Yes, charity would do amazing. Yes, 
guess she would. So that's what I'm mm-hmm. going to fight for. We'll see. Um, but we're here to talk about Dragula Titans. What the fuck? Yes, yes, we are. What the fuck? I I was excited for this season when they announced it, and then after the first the first episode, I I enjoyed what the challenge was, mm-hmm. but the but all their like behind of their like all their drama that they were just that they like threw in like pretty much the moment everyone walked in. I'm like. Is this if it's going to be all about just the drama behind the scenes and not really their artistry? I don't know how much I'm going to like enjoy watching this season because this show's always been very much like the stuff that like they focus so much of them behind the scenes that that always comes to boil over, but you don't really see it uh, carry on to the main stage. It will carry over sometimes to the extermination challenges, but with the way they did this this season, especially with the fright beats of there's a chance someone might come back i was like that never happened it was this weird it was like why would you say it no one was coming back unless you didn't send them home or decided to bring them back anyway i think that's the thing that's got me this entire season is the rules it just didn't matter nothing mattered like it was a case-by-case basis like we didn't want to get rid of a board so she's coming back every single time we want her to come back Um, exactly if they had kept it like they did on episode one where it was a voting system and that was the rule of the game, this will be a fucking incredible season. Is it not a thing? Because then that would have probably secured Victoria not winning, like she most likely will. I think so. I think they would have voted her out, especially because the one time she was in the bottom, they would have gone home. home. Absolutely. She would have gone home, yeah. And and that's the thing is like, sure, there are winners of all-star seasons on Drag Race that are not the ones that should have won potentially, or, or the fans say so. But that's what makes them watchable, is that you fight for the ones you want, and then when it doesn't happen, it, it, you boost them, and you, you're excited. Exactly. So next. I think the majority of this cast could have won, and I would have been happy with it. But I do not care for being told how I'm supposed to feel. They are very... It, yeah, you have a very sense that you know what they that what they wanted, and now it's just trying to figure out like, well, how can we make sure Hosa and Victoria are on the top two? We're gonna have to. We'll figure it out along the way. So whenever they fuck up, we're gonna have to do something to make sure they don't go home. I mean, I think another thing that's bothering me, and we're gonna talk about it a lot in this episode, is what we see is not what's happening. Or at least that's not what's perceived by the monsters themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they're saying things that in context of what we're viewing, it's not reality. We're missing massive chunks of plot line that are making people like Coco say the things she's doing while we're watching her being like, you're unhinged. You, you, are you not paying attention to what's happening? Exactly. It's like she's brought it up and she's only ever been brought up on the main stage or in her confessional, but you never see her in the workroom being like, what's, why can't I find this? Where did anyone move this? It's all that stuff is not there. So you're like, okay, is like Coco just gaslighting herself? Like what the, what the fuck? I mean, listen, we're, 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 we're going to talk about it many times this episode, but when it comes to that experience of missing things, (laughs) they throw out the word professionalism out there. You can't be a professional if you're blaming your sisters for something that you probably did yourself. 
but yeah. that's not professional. And fuck you that you got your spot in the top three over someone who actually is a monster. But I digress. We're going to get there. Oh. We're back in the boudoir as the fates of Coco and Melissa await. But let's be honest, this was just them acting like they had no fucking idea because they really knew what was happening. Yeah. As Hoso states, so much went on that she doesn't even know where to begin. <laughs> Same girl. What do we do now? <laughs> now, as they discuss, start to discuss, it appears we will have Eva call Melissa a diva, which is not wrong. Astrid will say that she was frustrated in the moment with Melissa because she was calling them out for being two-faced and not being real, and it felt blindsiding and strange. But Eva notes that if she asks Melissa if she's good and she says she is, she's going to believe her as that's all she can go off on. She says it is a tough game. And you know what? That's the reality here is, like I've already mentioned, if someone tells you something, you're going to take it at face value. And if you're not trying to make it a thing, which Melissa apparently didn't want to make anything a thing, you're not going to push it further. But then she gets pissed off because it doesn't get pushed further. Pick one. Oh, yeah. Pick one. Hoso says that if they look back at it, the things they were calling them out on is also contradictory as they have not been as real as they say. No one is innocent here. But Coco and Melissa are easily the most guilty because facts are facts. I also feel like they're they've gone since they've gone through this once before. They I think a lot of them have been very particular on how they're going to come across to that they're self-producing themselves. So that's why it doesn't feel genuine half the time because you're like especially all the early stuff with um the true the love triangle where you'd have ava talking about how she's over it blah 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 but then she'd go to a board and be like how you doing girl and i mean melissa like, well, was the biggest proponent of it mm-hmm. oh god Eva feels from melissa but she says the things were brought up no one was innocent and astrid will ask if, if it needed to get where it escalated to the point of melissa walking out and the answer is no the answer is the Jordan Peele movie of the summer. <laughs> Astrid will say she does feel guilty for Melissa quitting, but she also feels frustrated. It's a range of emotions. She will compare it to the death of a lover and the five stages of grief. And I think that's a bit much. I think that's a bit of a hyperbole for what is happening. I always feel Astrid says things that I'm like going, that's not the right context no. of what, no. what, you, what you mean. I'm all, or it's just like, yeah, sometimes all the shows start talking and I'm like, Girl, that, that no, this doesn't relate to this. Yeah. Victoria says that she didn't want to yell at her as she cares about Melissa deeply, but Hoso feels they are getting blamed for just defending themselves. Now, here's where I just cannot side with what will happen. Coco walks in and says, disrespectfully, fuck you all. She will say the fact is that everyone in the room has two faces, and if they can't own up to it, it's their demon to fight. She will defend the actions of Melissa as she says that they had a sister walk out crying and not a single one of them flinched or go to check on her. And then when they found out she quit, they couldn't give a fuck. So here's my thing. This is not a bar gig. It's not a gig you're paid for. And if you're in the dressing room, you just go out and talk to your sister in the alley. No, this is reality TV. This is a produced television show. There are people hired to be on the Queens to check in on them. Mm-hmm. Coco broke the fourth wall of this show and put the entire jeopardy, put the show in jeopardy. I don't care what she feels in the situation because she actually literally knew about Melissa's real world problems while no one else in that room did. So you cannot blame them for not being real and checking in on Melissa because at the end of the day, to them, it felt like a fake reality TV moment. 
Yeah, because she only opened up to Coco and Kendra about what was going on prior to being brought in. And it wasn't something she true, shared. If they all knew and mm-hmm. we did not know as viewers, fuck the Boulay brothers on that one. Fuck the editors, because that's now contradicting what's happening and also yep. telling us how we're supposed to feel. Yep. Astrid and Victoria are now screaming at Coco for the statement about them not caring. Astrid is not shocked at what Coco is saying, and she does not know how to defend these things in a way that Coco will take to heart, a.k.a. she's one-sided on the situation and she will only accept the responses she wants. Now, when Coco says that Melissa didn't just leave because she was tired of the competition or because she couldn't take the pressure, she left because of all of them, and they can't swallow that pill. And again, I'm like, this is reality TV. What do you expect? I'm just so angry and I will not defend this and let other people take the brunt of this simply because they like the TV character Coco's presenting. Coco's a brilliant reality TV show contestant. She's mediocre at this particular world of drag and the delusion is is in full force. She and Melissa are not the victims. World Tapes, they instigated almost all of the fights and all of the drama that happened early on the season. (laughs) Again, Coco is going to bitch that, sure, they weren't there for them all. It was where they were when they needed them. And Asher will respond with, she did nothing last episode but talk about wanting to see Coco in the top three and how she's incredible and told her she thinks it's cool she does her shit Latin spin it, which we'll put a pin on for a second. Uh-huh. But I want to reinforce the key word that Ashford started with in this sentence, and that word is episode, because this is television. Oh, yeah. They always would refer to it last week. They never, they never, and they, yeah. And that's the thing that I think Coco's not getting in this moment is we're here as television characters. Yeah. What's happening there is a real life thing. We're not psychologists. We're not supposed to be dealing with it. Sure. As she's your sister, then let convince her to talk about it with everybody. She walked out. That is breaking the fourth wall. She did. I think, I think if it would have been where it's like Coco walked out and said, come back talk to everyone so they all know where why not it's not just the fact that you're over their bullshit but also you came in this competition already with this on your mind and you were using the competition to get this so you wouldn't think about this but now it's just like everything's all coming full circle in regards to just like how you deal absolutely and again if they all knew and didn't go support her, then you know what? That's a fucking different conversation we're having. Yeah. But that's not what we know. Uh, all we know is what's presented on the screen. Exactly. We're not, especially if you're not going in to find all of their stuff that like their Instagram posts of them talking about like, this is why I did X, Y, and Z. All you know is this, the what was on the screen. And there's a reason why hour, I that, that, and um, a half. Uh, that thing at the beginning of the episode. That's mm-hmm. why I say what I say. That's why I'm presenting this the way I am because it's what we are seeing. It's what we're seeing, yeah. Now, Coco will whine about the word last minute and say if it's used against her, then they will receive the wrath of her curse. And again, listen, I know that there are different television shows, but if any of the contestants on Drag Race walked in with a half-finished garment, the production team would kick them out. They would be eliminated in the next episode. Yeah, they wouldn't. They wouldn't be. They wouldn't be. They would. They would literally work the story to be like, we're going to change this, so it's now this instead of that, and you're going home. Now, we are going to have Coco make things personal as she says that she doesn't choose to do things last minute and calls out Astrid for having time because she lives at home with her mom and works on her drag whenever she wants while Coco has to go pay the bills. Um, then maybe you shouldn't have returned if you weren't ready. 
Why does she have to make it personal like that? I don't know. That's about, that kind of felt like that was just probably a lot of stuff like building up where she's just been like, oh, she could be over Astrid at this point. Mm-hmm. And she's just like, I'm just going to dig. That's what I'm going to do. I know where I can dig. That's not that will that where where will kind of hurt. Now, Victoria will now say that it's interesting that Melissa picked her name as the name that got thrown out against Coco, as Victoria never specifically mentioned Coco by name. What she is trying to point out is that perhaps Melissa said Coco as it's telling that maybe Melissa had the same feelings on Coco as well. Uh-huh. But Coco's not going to comprehend this and says that Victoria is guilty herself. I mean, again, let's roll the tapes. Is, is it stoning or is it making the entire garment? There's really a difference between that and that's where the fight is coming down to. Victoria's not making these entire giant costumes in the workroom. No, they're already broad. Mm -hmm. So if she gets red for the look and it's not as polished and clean as Victoria, she has a right to say what she's saying. Because, yeah, the level of drag that Victoria brings, she wants everyone else to be out there with her. Yeah. I also think where this differs from drag race is where drag race is like, you have to have an X amount of costumes already made and ready to go. So, cause you're only doing like, you're making a costume here and there, or you could use fabric if you're trying to like add to a, a garment to be like, Oh, I have this, but it doesn't really fit the theme. But if I add this to it, then I got the theme where a lot of these are, they're bringing in the costume pieces for each theme and then building around it. So it's like, yeah, you might not have been able to do the full costume ahead of time, but because you have to add X, Y, and Z to the garment that's not going to carry or whatnot, and you have to do it at the at the boudoir. I think that's kind of like where the mindset is. How much can they prep before? And what do they have to show? Because every episode you have them talking about like, oh, I use this type of fabric to do this, or this is how I make this type of skull. And, and it's, uh, it's like, been yeah. said many times that that's all staged. Like people have said, we're not filmed because I have everything done. They can't Mm -hmm. put me on camera because there's nothing for me to talk about. Yep. Now, once again, Coco, rather than trying to have a real conversation, will say that Victoria got called out on the episode she was clocked for not having a personality. How this has anything to do with Melissa? (laughs) Couldn't tell you. Coco was just grasping at straws. She says that being a bitch is not a personality and not how you win. Well, it should be based on good drag. And if Coco wins, it will be based on being a bitch. Yeah. Now, well, yeah. I, think, I think the I think the other thing too is like I enjoy Coco's drag aesthetic because it's so different, and I like that she's just not full on monster in a way. There's no polish. Yeah, but I think I think that's probably why I like it so much is because it's, there's so many rough edges where it's like I like that it's like it feels human to me. I guess. Sure. I guess that's why I enjoy her. Now, again, we're going to get personal. Why we're getting personal is beyond me. Coco will Mm -hmm. call out Hoso for being the smartest person in the room. Why? Everyone else is too dumb for falling for her plan. And what is said plan? Well, Coco says that Hoso was always involved in drama, but whenever it comes down to it, she says it's not her. Interactions are contributing to the problem. (laughs) Why? Again, this had to be brought up. I don't know. I'm wondering how much of it, like, wait, because it's like, you know, because they have that moment of the length of time before they come back into the workroom to start talking. And I'm wondering how much is how much is like their story producers are being like, this is what you want. We want brought up. Right. Go, And they know, especially with these girls, these girls are more willing to be like, oh, you want me to get dirty? I'll get dirty. I'm walking in there. And it's like, bam, she's the tirade starts. Right. So a lot of it's like, 
well, how much of it is story producing of uh, being like, make sure these things are brought up and how much is just them talking and bringing shit and, up. And that's what the difficult part of watching Dragula Titans has been this season mm-hmm. is because they keep on bringing things up that are not seen on camera. And they're going to have, they keep doing these flashbacks that mean nothing to us because yeah. they don't, they're not impactful in the moment. Like pick and choose. Like there has to be a better way to tell the story that they want without having to do flashbacks that are have nothing to do with anything. And again, when we get personal and get personal to things that are outside of the show, that's fine. And I, well, it's, I feel it's, like that's been the majority of this, of this entire season. The majority of this, majority of the season, especially dealing with the boudoir, has been what's happened to these girls outside of the Dragula sphere. Like the love triangle, uh, the fact that like you have the girls, and this is brought up even on Drag Race. You have girls who are like, "Well, you never, call, you were, we never kept in touch after our season." And I thought we were friends, but I guess we weren't because you never returned a phone call. Like those things are always bound to happen. But then when you were just doing with like the love triangle, just became so like in your face that that's all there was nothing we else. talked about. There was nothing else, and I think that's where I'd be watching the episode, being like. I just want to fast forward all this, just get to the, the floor I mean, show. We, we have like, had personal issues brought on to the show from first time contestants. Like we had Madeline and Dahlia have their thing, but they had yeah. a moment to discuss it. They had a moment to talk it out. And they also had a moment to bring real world things into the show and say, okay, drinking is a thing. This is why um, Madeline no longer drinks. It affected her relationship. That's something we can relate to as audience members. Exactly. There's nothing yeah. here that we're relating to. Nope. Victoria's going to call Coco an asshole. Asher will try to make a statement, and Coco's just going to jump down her throat and cut her off completely. And now we're going to have Eva in confessional say that Coco has every shred of evidence to back this up. Okay, now are we like, is this the Republican playbook? Where, what are you asking? <laughs> because this was said in confessional. All I can think of that this is forced confessional. I want the specific moments because or- we as viewers are clearly not tuned into the truth. Or is that a confessional that was taped? Because the whole remember back when Drag Race used to like they would say time hop, picking they would like the time hop of like oh well they're not wearing that outfit today, and they're talking about they wore that like two two episodes ago, and now it's like same outfit, so they can like something you say on episode four they could use on episode eight because they're like going oh well it's you know we we could be like oh we're gonna bring up that statement, so here it is. Now, I don't know how much time has passed before this statement is made by Coco, but she says that she hates that how that had what had happened happened is affecting them now. And in this day and age, it takes that level of energy to feel hurt. Coco says that Melissa was not performing or looking for attention. That was out of pure hurt. She says it comes from a place where you let walls down around people you can trust. And that is where Coco's rage comes from. But again, unless we, the viewers, are not clued in, no one else in the room knew of Melissa's outside life problem. Exactly. And it's kind of unfair to expect them to all have fun and be jolly and make good reality television because her real life problems is coming to a head and she can't handle it. Mm-hmm. Then, then don't come on the show. I know no. why she was there and I, I respect her for even going there. But if you know you can't handle the heat, you got to take yourself out gracefully and not like the super bitch she did. Yeah, I'm because I'm wondering if uh, if any of these girls were alternates choices too, and that's why they're being kind of yeah. Hmm. Coco thinks this being harsher play is only way to relay the situation. And if she got 
too emotional to be marked off as angry and not be taken seriously. Then I say blame the edit because that's what just happened. Yeah. Again, if things we hear in confessional were said in the room, I'd be fine with it. But the storytelling for like closer to then say she felt like was harsh, but she's glad they talked about it. And she was, I feel like she was told to say that. There was no talking. There was one angry person screaming at four people unable to respond. Yeah. Victoria now is going to get teary and says that she doesn't want to continue on a bad road as she enjoys Coco as a friend. And she says, likewise, Astrid says that she meant that she has her support and is sorry that she hasn't felt that way. And Coco will say that the cool thing about her is she feels intensely, but she gets over it. And even if it takes a while, but it's no guarantee that they'll be where they were. So they can have the conversation blissfully, politely, and delicately. And here what I would like to hear, what I would do in that situation would be like, our friendship was great. Bye. I don't need your energy in my life. I don't want to walk on eggshells. Yeah. And the alarm blares. And that's on that. What a fucking joke. That was just like... That was a lot. It's time for our video message. There is still one too many of them, and they will have to do something about that. This challenge will determine who the final three of the season are. And if they survive this challenge, they're guaranteed placement in the Dragula Titans grand finale, which means they are a step closer to a $100,000 grand prize in the headlining spot on the world tour. For this challenge, it's reinterpretation of one of their favorite themes from season four, the Horror Icons Makeover Challenge. They must use their cunning creativity to completely reinvent a classic horror icon. Let's remember to use those words loosely later, but we'll get to it. (laughs) They can choose a horror icon from any medium, including film, TV, comic books, video games, or literature, but they are not looking for cosplay. They want them to take the story and concept of the iconic monster and completely reinvent their look in a new and original way. They still need to be recognized who their character is. And for a second part of the challenge, they must reenact a famous scene from their horror icon's most memorable moment. (laughs) Here's my question. Do you think they got this part of the challenge when they received what was required for the show? Because I fully believe that this may have changed some of the monster icons that were picked. I think so, yeah. I think I think they may have gotten one prompt and then were like given a second one later. Because why you would come on to this episode with a character that does not speak without with that knowledge is stupid on you, which I think this was all fucking set up again. Well, because we had two characters that didn't speak. No, three of them didn't speak. Well, the what, one, what, what, the, one of them went ack ack. Yeah, well, she would go act act, but yeah, the only two that actually had talking roles were Coco and uh, and Victoria. The other, yeah, because they were like the other two chose characters that are not known for speaking roles. Yeah. So, like again, we're gonna get to the favoritism and and, and what value each part of the challenge actually had. But precious, who would you have picked for this challenge? Because you've reinvented a couple of horror icons before. I've done like I've done like just like a, a like a makeshift like kind of like dragged up Freddy, but just with the like you know the sweater and a skirt. Like I'm like I, I don't really go too too in depth when I try to like I have envisions of like I would love to do this, but I'm like there's no way in hell I'm gonna be able to pull it off without like a lot of help. Um, but I probably would have gone with given this show and what they expect from the queens. I would have probably gone like the Hellraiser route because you can do a Cenobite, but you have more play in the realm of like the kind of 
uh, where you want to go because you know they've had people that like had CDs being thrown at you, um, and you can kind of play on that realm of you know all you really need is the box as a prop mm-hmm. to indicate the world, and then you are in you are just one of the one of the many creatures of hell. Yeah, I think um, if they if they're going to do this challenge again, I'm sure they're going to because it's a fun easy challenge. You know who I want to see? It's, it's a fun one, yeah. You know who I want to see? I want to see someone try to be Pearl. <gasps> Pearl. Right? That would be sick. Especially old Pearl. Mm. I want to see old Pearl. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, I just find it also very interesting that we're doing this legacy challenge that appeared last season where three out of the five remaining competitors had already done this challenge. <gasps> Only two of them did, though, because Astrid was already gone by this point. No, she didn't. What yeah, did what? Was did this episode one? Yeah, this was episode one. Oh, this was episode one. Yeah, oh, and, um, I. Uh, Coco mm, did Morticia. Yeah, and Hoso did, and Hoso did the comic. It was like that Japanese comic book. Yeah, I don't remember what it was. Yeah, so, I don't, yeah. Uh, yeah, four, three out of five have done this before. Yeah. Advantage or disadvantage, then? Well, I think it's, I would say it's a bit of a, I don't know, it feels like it could be a, a bit of a disadvantage, especially if you, it like Astrid succeeded so well in the challenge that she has to now, you know, try to be like, well, how can I one up myself? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. where, especially with Coco, I think she was low that week. So she's like, oh, I can up whatever I all it's anything I do is going to be better than what I did before. Right. But we've also had a couple like episodes where it's like, it's part two of a challenge we've done in the past that like one of the contestants was like, Oh, I was there. That was my week. That was my year. So it's like, I have, I know what to do. If they continue this challenge and I think they will, this is going to be the, become the snatch game of Dragula. Yeah, this is yep. Mm-hmm. Now for this week's fright feet, they will be individually tied to their truth teller electric chair where they will each be allowed to ask each other a question that must be answered honestly as registered by their lie detector tests. If they tell a lie or refuse to answer a question outright, they will be shocked with 45,000 watt hot volts of electricity. Now they're going to make it very clear that if there is something they need to know about one of their opponents before they make their final decisions, this is their chance to bring it all to light and tell them what they think they need to know. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it will not be a final four. So one or more of them will be absolutely dropped into the abyss by the end of the challenge and will not proceed to the final finale of the tour, which is not true based on how the monsters are promoting it. So there's that. Yeah. Well, so, I think I think it's like they're all going to be on the tour, but you have the actual headliner who will probably be doing more. Right. Well, the top three yeah. are on the entire tour, and then I yeah. guess everyone else is supporting cast. But well, supporting cast, um, exactly. So like this line got me because clearly they filmed this not knowing if this challenge would have four or five competitors, which I think is quite bullshit, but hey, it's their show. Mm-hmm. Um, we are here as commentators to scrutinize every word for word. Um, well, if, yeah, because if they had not planned to save anyone, then yeah, if their plan was no one was going to get saved, it would be like, oh, you didn't fulfill the fright beat, so you're out and now you're back in. Uh, you're back in kind of thing. I don't know where they had the girls on retainer for the night to be like, hey, stick around. You're on the hotel till till we're done filming in case we need to bring you back. Um, and when I say we're going to scrutinize word for word, we're going to get to it in the Fright Feed. <laughs> um, so the way that the Fright Feed was explained, I thought we were going back to that haunted house they rented out and did the challenge from last season 
where we had people like Mary, Jade, and friends strapped to that contraption. And they got That's what I thought. I thought they were going to be in the electric chairs. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. We are in the boudoir with lie detector man, and there is no asking of questions. The man is doing all the asking. So yep. here's my problem again. You have the show giving all these pre-recorded taped messages because they do it all in once. And then uh -huh. when you get to the actual challenge or the actual event, it doesn't line up. What are we doing here? Either cut it would be shit or, or, or film it in, in time or get your fucking asses out there and tell them in time. I Because th I thought when we saw the guy there and they were sitting down, I thought it was going to be like a round robin of like, Ava, what do you want to ask her? Right. And then be like, boom, boom, boom. And then you're just like, okay. And you could have been like, hi, I'm going to ask the first few questions. So you get, you know, you can kind of handle like, is your name Coco Kane? Are you on Belize Seasons Dragula? Blah, blah, blah. And then you're listening. Then you can be like, all right, Astrid, what's your question for Coco? Right. And have her ask a question. And then you can be like, that's wrong. Or it's like, that's a lie, you know? Right. Uh, but when we were getting like a bunch of a lot of them got similar questions. Then you got specific ones. So I'm like, well, who was who was this question? It's like, did the Belay brothers already know ahead of time that this, these are the questions they wanted? Exactly. I mean, like, like, again, if you want to tell me, give me an extra three seconds of film mm -hmm. where you see everyone write it down and then hand it to the man, that's fine. Then I can say, I get that. But like mm -hmm. my frustration about the inconsistency of this show, just it, it just, why give such a detailed explanation to Challenger or Fright Feet if we're not going to see what we're getting? Like, this is, again, why Root is there in person to explain the challenge because it's already been finalized in the taping. They, yeah. This felt like they lost the thrill house, had to scramble because it's a real person, a lie detector, and then had to have him ask the question because that's how the lie detector actually works. Mm -hmm. This is my problem. I no longer stand by the bullshit. Like, my level of suspense <laughs> is going out the window. I know oh, yeah. how the production works. Like, it's not fooling anybody anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not like that rough house season one, season two, where you, where it's made in a, in a, in a little um, trailer and it's all fun. And it's it, This is TV produced now. Especially you because you're, you're they're now on a network and it's like, you know, because Shutter is owned by AMC. So you're now on a network who's shelling this money in. So you're like, oh, it's also like we're going to see how season 15, now that will be on MTV, how is that going to change from VH1? Even well, though, here's, here's what I'm gonna even, even though VH1 MTV. and MTV are both owned by the same uh, company. If it's anything like uh, the challenge, it's all going to be bullshittery. Well, Drag Race already is bullshittery, so this would be even more bullshittery. Have you ever done a polygraph before? No, I've never done one. Me either. Yeah, and I say they're. I say it's based on like, isn't it like based on like your heart rate? Yeah. That's how you can how they can determine if you're lying or being truthful. Yeah. All right. Well, it's going to start off easy with the basics, like drag names, hometowns. We will learn that Astra believes that. She does, in fact, annoy her competitors, and Coco firmly believed that she was not on season four of Dracula. Um, that's automatically <laughs> removal for crown contention. Come on, you didn't even know what show you were on and when you were on. Girl, come on. No, I think she did that to, she was just to fuck with well, the whole thing. Coco I says Coco, Coco, Coco really went in to be like, really felt like, you want, want this? I will, I will be like, I will say shit and lie. No. Well, Coco says her plan for the lie detector test was to lie to keep them guessing, which is revisionist history, my friends. She done fucked up and she can't admit it. Now, <laughs> Eva did not want to be Hoso's third new boyfriend. Hoso will dress up like a lizard in the bedroom for Astrid. I'm glad that image is now burned in my brain. Well, uh, if you follow Astrid's Twitter, you know she's a bit, she's into furry, so. I know, I know. 
Mm-hmm. We learned that Victoria turned Coco on during the wrestling challenge. Coso thinks her ghost ship look was glamour, but she was lying as was Coco mm-hmm. lying about not being attracted to anyone in the cast. And I say I want pains. Mm-hmm. You know who I think it is? Who? Melissa B. Fierce. Melissa's very attractive. It's a very attractive man. Uh, Astrid would have performed better than better had Hoso not been there, and she was lying that she doesn't love Hoso. We learned that literally none of them trust each other, and that allegedly brings them all together, which is a weird way to bond, but we'll get to that. Now, when it comes down to the questions about sabotage and Coco, literally no one is. So what's the team? Is it possible that Coco is a messy bitch? Well, according to the Bollograph test, no. Then when asked if she thinks she's being sabotaged, she says, no, and wow, that's correct. So what's the tea? Are we ever going to get a resolution on the spotline? Uh, it will be revealed at the at the reunion that it was a that it was a bore. Oh, we're not getting time. a reunion. It will be revealed next week. It will be revealed in the finale that it was the Belay Brothers. I had one of their uh, one. Of, it was a, what's that guy? Uh, uh, the guy Azrael. that's always there. Azrael. It was Azrael. He was doing it for the Belays to fuck with her. Now Asher will say she believes that Eva is hiding who she is, while Eva says she is being a real person in competition. Toko is honest. She is not being trust, tr- truthful, and her titties are full of secrets. <laughs> that poor man had to say titties. Mm, he liked it. Titties. Yeah, he did. Hoso does still love Abora, and Asher was never in Victoria's top three. That being said, Victoria thinks she's the best in the crown. Best be hers. Coco will say that she does not see Astrid in the top three, but she thinks she can win the competition despite lying about it. Hoso and Eva also think they can win. And the drama of this episode will be that Astrid does not see herself in the top three. This uh-huh. will be the plot line of this final episode for Astrid. Yep. Now, what was the point of this if the Boulets won't consider these answers, including Coco lying the entire time? Like, she failed. Technically, she failed this, this fright beat. Shouldn't uh-huh. that be expulsion and, like, previously eliminated competitors brought back? Well, they never really explained what causes like a fail because you know when they do like the challenge with like what was it the second episode where they were eating the hot peppers, right? Like people were stopping at various points, but it's like what constituted you failing the fright feet was you was it had to be you saying I am not going to participate with this, and then therefore you are not participating in the competition. I and mean, you've now been since removed. Here, here's what I'm going to say. We're going to bring it back all the way to season two mm-hmm. when we did yeah. the polygraph extermination. Someone was exterminated for not telling the truth and lying. Here, was, Coco, it, was, was this the episode Erica was cut from? Yeah. Yeah. In, inconsistencies. Like, it's just really bonkers. But after our lie man leaves, the monsters are back in the boudoir to discuss what just happened. And Eva told the truth in polygraph test. She does not lie. Astrid will be very emotional and become very vulnerable about whether she belongs in the top three. It's a hard thing to face for her. Eva finds it being to be a red flag that Astrid doesn't really believe that she should be at the top. But Astrid says it's not up to her to make it to the top, but she wants to be there so badly. She genuinely can't say that she's better than anyone else there and can't see herself putting herself ahead of them. And to be fair, if there were other people in that room, she might have a different answer. But track record alone, there are three that have had a better run on the show so I can understand her stance and why mm-hmm. she said what she did. Hosa is going to tell Astra that she doesn't have to see herself better than anyone else to see herself on the top. It's a competition. She just wants to have bad. She needs to tell herself that she wants to be there. Yep. Astrid has had doubts as she hasn't won a challenge and went the earliest in her season. She loves what she does and believes in her drag, but she's hoping that someone will speak up and say that she is in their top three. 
but let's be real. Validation in this community is not a guarantee. Mm-hmm. Nope. If that was a guarantee, I'd be validated every day. I post something on Instagram. Exactly. And also, I feel like a lot of times queens come back to these all-star type shows to not necessarily win, but to redeem themselves for exactly. what was shown on the previous, on their first run. And I do feel with Astrid when she said she didn't feel like she was the top here, I'm going, yeah, compared to everyone else on there, I'm going, if there was going to be a top four, you were, you was, you were still going to go home. Like, I don't think you would have made it past this episode, but compared to what you did in your season to, and bringing back what you've done now, it's like you shown a showcase of your skills and you should be proud of that. Like you, you, she herself said, I don't think I deserve to be, I'm like, I don't see myself there. So if you don't see yourself there, you should just be at least content with what you have shown. She never once had to go up for extermination. She just had, she just worked her way through the competition, either being high safe. Exactly. Now, Hosa will say that maybe the machine was wrong as it's just a contraption with wires, but Asher says that's not the point. It's what she said. She spoke from the heart. She didn't need a machine to tell her the truth. <laughs> Victoria believes that Astrid has taken herself out. And that's on that, girl. Yeah. Eva notes that the common question that everyone answered truthfully was that they all just do not trust each other. Victoria says that tracks that, that she's good. She says, thanks to recent events, maybe the answer would have been different and they would say that they trusted each other, but they do not know <laughs> that now. Also jokes that somehow distrust feels comforting in a place like this. And yes, there should be an AMC reference. That I was cracking. On. No one, I was ca- cracking up on that with that little joke. And I was like, no one is commenting on it. Do you guys not watch movies? Not go to the movie theater anymore? That got me. I was like, that's so funny. And then I was hysterical. Because that um, I wouldn't expect that joke on this show. That's why. And from Hoso of all people. Mm-hmm. Now, did the lie detector release some tension? Do they trust each other more? Well, they're all in the same playing field of not trusting. But hey, mm-hmm. at least they're being honest. <laughs> now, Asher will not apologize in saying that she doesn't think Eva was being real, but says she finds it cool that she says she has been in, that she has been in the lie detector and confirmed it for her. Eva has nothing to hide. Um, I love Astrid. She, she's one of my favorites. But um, again, as you said earlier, some of the things that come out of her mouth, I don't think she intends to be the way she says it. Um, yeah, I think she's one of those where it's like what she's speaking and what she's thinking don't always like are not running at the same time. So sometimes she'll say something and probably the back of her head, she's going like, oh, the r- wrong context. But I'm not going to say I can't say anything now. So there is a little bit of accountability from Miss Coco Kane, who does not believe she is responsible for the things that have been going on with her and her sabotage. She don't even want to use the word anymore because it's not accurate for what's been going on. But yeah, professionalism, let's, mm-hmm. let's not talk about that. Victoria thinks she needs an exorcism. Maybe it's really haunted. And I say, roll the fucking tapes. Just tell me what happened. <laughs> Will this be discussed in the next episode of Unsolved Mysteries? If the haunting of Miss Coco Kane. The haunting of Miss Coco Kane. It's time to get to work. And by get to work, let's not do things last minute or say they are because Coco will kill you. (laughs) Astrid has decided that her horror icon will be the predator because she won the challenge on her season. She knows that people will compare the two looks, so she is making it a meme for the fans and giving them the classic alien versus predator moment. Whose team are you on, alien or predator? 
think I'm an alien fan. Yeah, me too. That first movie, classic. But the most recent Predator movie, Prey, so good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was so good. For her twist, for the look, she is giving it a cyberpunk punk aesthetic. She's attaching glow wire to the whole thing to light it up. She's using binder clips to create fake studs and then pierce it from into the foam. Hoso is inspired by the OG ring girl, not Samara. She is focusing on Sadako from the 1998 legendary bell ring at, that changed the scape of Asian harem. It means so much to her and her culture. And I shall confess, I sadly have still not watched the ring. I've seen the American ring and ring two. I think I've seen Ringu. I know I saw a couple because there was like a slew of like kind of like Japanese ghost horror movies. And I know I saw a couple of them when I, I used to work for a video store in San Francisco and we got a bunch of like the Japanese versions. I'd like, I'd rent them and be like, I'll take them in. They all had kind of similar plots of like a haunting. So a lot mm-hmm. of times they all kind of merge together. I'm like, is that part of the Ring series or is that part of something else? But yeah. Yeah. For her host, the dress will have structure while still looking water damaged. She has incorporated the synthetic hair that she wet with hair gel that weaves into the dress. She has a prop TV that will be a fashion runway moment, as well as VH- VHS tapes that are tangled into her hair. And yes, if you did catch it, she did call it VCR tapes. Um, <laughs> I, did, I didn't catch girl. it. I didn't catch her saying that, but that's awesome. Now, Coco is keeping her inspiration a secret, but says if we are smart enough, we can figure it out with the four-way stretch black vinyl, maybe some red and some long hair to emulate her higher icon. We'll get to it, but I just set my rage level to level 1,000 for Coco on this episode. <laughs> That's all we got for this day because the queen's got to leave before the big, big, big day. Yeah, we, yeah we didn't know what Victoria and Ava were really doing. And that's the thing. It's because they had nothing to work on because it was already done. They were both done, yeah. Usually, if you go back and you want to know how things are going to happen later on in the episode, they will pinpoint the people who either are going to be high, low, or have some sort of plot line. Mm -hmm. Which is why Eva should have been here. Nothing. Yeah, because they didn't do anything with Eva at all during these little parts. Like, as a boot episode for Eva, this was terrible. We, like, there was no, like, recollection of her entire career and 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 show of the, the two seasons beyond. no this was all about astrid eva was just there as collateral damage yeah well no that's why they, they said that line in the their deliberation of we saved eva she would have gone home that week if we hadn't saved her i say but bullshit really- because that would have been real bullshit and I feel like, oh, is that just your way of saying we're getting rid of her tonight because we would have gotten rid of her anyway then? So it's like, we take her out of the equation. It's like, mm, okay, Astrid, you're, you're going home now. Right. All right. It's time to get their reanimated horror icons on. It's a new day and Victoria does not trust anyone. And she's still a bitch. <laughs> Coco will suggest that they do a team trust building activity and do a fright feat in the boudoir that is not assigned to them by the boudoirs. The funny thing is that this is more courageous and dangerous than some of the other fright, fright feats we've had this season. Yeah. I think the only fright feat that I was like, no ma'am, was the 
water one with the locks that freaked me the fuck out i was like what they said in the video message and what we saw on screen. yeah because then it's like once they got through i thought they were going to be like a maze or something that they had to go, go through to, to win to keep themselves in but it was like no they all just opened up the gates and they're that was it okay first of all first astrid will fall into coco's arms and no astrid did not put deodorant on listen Drag queens, <laughs> clean your tights, put deodorant on, mm-hmm. put some perfume, or mask it with perfume. Mm-hmm. To be fair, Coco did let her fall a little further than most people, but she still did catch her. Evil will catch Victoria, and Evil will be caught by Hoso, who is just a petite little human alien person. She's got some strength in her. I was I was waiting for her to catch her, and then they both fall over because you're gonna hold her. <laughs> Literally, what a waste of time this was. Wait, 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 wait. Now, wait, where did Victoria get a knife? She's going to murder everybody. She's on a spree and stabbing everyone. Coco's hiding on the table. Is this the acting challenge of the season? Apparently, yes. Yep. They really tried. They did a lot to to fill these episodes. And there's so much that you're like, I I didn't need this. Like, this little thing was, like, fun for them. That would have been a fun little, like bonus like little bonus clips like when after the season was done of like extras on shutter of these little or scenes on like YouTube. or fun, yeah they drop it like fun yeah fun little like uh extra moments of them having fun in the workroom would have been that was where it should have gone is killing your friends a good way to relieve stress yes yeah okay good to know good to know mm-hmm now, as the monsters are doing their face, Hoso, after being prompted by a producer, will be like, oh, fuck, I just remembered the consequences. It's true we were going home. That's the consequence. It was already revealed. Why are we trying to make this a thing? Oh, I know. that, And the way she said it, too, is just so like, what was that, producer? I need to talk? Oh, okay, I have to say this? Okay, thank you. Now, here's what my suggestion would be. If they really wanted to make this good and not try to produce television, then say despite the results, Hoso and Eva cannot win and they are automatically up for extermination. And if the others don't win as well, well then I guess we only have two trapdoors, five people it wouldn't work, but let everyone be up for extermination. Yeah, because I think if they would have said no matter the outcome, Hoso and Eva, you can't be you can't win this night. Yeah. Because of because you know you were saved then, so that's why you know, so you will be up for elimination, along with like two. So then they let the others know it's like only one of us is guaranteed to move forward. The rest of us will all be standing on those on those blocks waiting to hear our names. Exactly, like make like that make that happen. But again, with the way it's all con, um, contrived, you only have two trap doors, five people. Someone has to win. So and someone has to win. Exactly. <clears throat> the alarm sounds, and that's on that. We journey to the main stage and see our friends Boulay Brother 1 and Boulay Brother 2 in an <laughs> excellent look that they were like, wait, we can use this as the look for a season 5 casting promo. Mm-hmm. <sighs> They're like, if it's good enough for RuPaul, it's good enough for us. Now, before we get to our higher icon, horror icons, let's see who they brought into the studio to help them judge. We have Joe Bob Briggs, who knows the most about slashers on screen. Then we have Vampire Hunter and Star of What We Do with the Shadows, Harvey Guillen. Here's how we're going to do things on this shit show. We will discuss the look, and if you want to discuss the acting part of it, we can. But, like, what a wash and such an inconsistent element of the challenge. Yeah. 
Honestly, the only ones that the only acting challenge part I liked was Victoria's. I was because she had the voice down and I was like, yes, yes, I am here for the keeperess. Okay. Um, in honor of the floor show, we are going to play Icon or Bicon. Okay. Coco Kane, no designers listed. Was this Dax exclamation point cosplay? I want the inspiration pick here because I'm sorry, without the introductions, I never would have picked up on her doing the boulets. Also, I the ending was played immensely in her favor for her because of the, the double image. And this was not an iconic boulet brother moment because they just said it. It's so unfair. Here's my thing. We have this challenge. The icons are known for a specific look, a silhouette, a character trait. The belays are hosts, of, and as hosts, they are chameleons in the sense that there is not one thing that sets them, their looks apart from being in a black and red family and nine times out of ten, wearing white hair. The mm -hmm. silhouette Coco chose is what I would say a baby queen would wear who is booked for a Halloween gig. The belays have a very signature mug. There is a very specific contour. They use the white out eyes. They are dominating. And usually it is a red lip. Here, Coco said, nah, I'm doing me. I'm giving you the cartoon contour. I'm giving you black lips plus black hair. Oh, and you want a basic ass leotard? Here you go. I think this was not achieving the challenge. This was catering to your judges in a way that was vile and heavy handed. It was not cute. It was not good. And someone with objectively better overall vision will lose their chance to be in the finals again because flattery, flattery literally got Coco everywhere. There's my rant. Mm -hmm. Well, her eyes are wide in the picture. They're, they're, they are, but like they're, they're not dominating. Yeah, they're not dominating. It took in, it wasn't until like, cause they did, cause it all, yeah, it was also weird how they started with Coco. Then after she did her little bit of a floor show, then they went into like the horror, each of their like acting scenes. Then they were like, here's your floor show all over again with everybody else. And it wasn't until like they went into her scene where she started talking, where I realized, oh, she's doing the blaze. Right. Because at first I was like, is this like kind of like trying her to do something different? Because I'm like, I thought because I they, I was like, because I, I remembered her doing like virtual show Elvira last time. So I was like, yeah. is she trying to do something in that same vein, but also like changing it up? Um, but then I was like, oh, no, she's in the belays. And I also I was like, why wasn't her tips huge? That would have been a, an offset to be like playing off of like, you know, you're the black belay, you know, have the huge tits. Tell me how many times we have seen the boulets in a look on this show that they have worn a leotard like that? None. It's always a dress of some sort or some sort of gown or some sort of contraption. There's, it, this is not it. I'm sorry. This is just yeah. not it. Or even if they the, are the wearing mug, a leotard. Also. Yeah, even if they it's weren't wearing a leotard, there's, they're wearing something that like covers the full body or it has that at least has an opening for like you get some leg exposure. I just it, and then like fine. You want to critique the jewels and being like that's how she represented the red. It looks like she's got blood coming out of her mouth because she's got a little um, mm -hmm. red thing. What does that have to do with the boules? Well, show me. I need the reference point. You're going to call out all these other people for reference points either being too close or too far away, and yet she is out of this world, mm -hmm. and it's okay because it's them. Yeah. 
Joe Bob says she wins the award for being the bravest contestant because she chose a higher horror icon that is known by 100% of the audience. He said the Boulets are obviously a horror icon and doesn't know if she was going for Drac or Swan, but thinks it was a good combination of the two. You don't know which one she's doing, so it's a free pass. Hey, who cares? Well, I don't think he knows. I don't think he knows which one's which. That's why. I don't think most people do. Swan says she commends her on her superior taste level. She says it was very brave to choose them because she could have fall fell really far if she fucked up and she did not. Drax is doing the floor show intro and introducing the judges was really brave and awesome as she thought outside of the box and took the square and made it her own. She loves the look too, as it is something they would wear because she has legs for days. Again, show me when you wore that on the show. I don't care about outside of the show. We're talking about on the show. Mm-hmm. RV says that the Boulets have an iconic cadence to their speech pattern and the way they present and the and they could see her doing that as well. She didn't want to miss a beat. And that's a great homage to such iconic duos and part of an iconic history and change the world and how they see this kind of performance art. Um, that's the only critique that I can accept here is the cadence. Like, fine. She kind of nailed yeah. it. It didn't sound like her, them, but she, she nailed the cadence. Um, it's the look. The look just does not sell it for me this is baby drag doing a halloween gig yeah yeah if she would have done this like her last year i could if she'd done this look last year for her challenge i would have been like oh that's fierce that you're doing this but like i can see for where it's a titan show so it's supposed to be like an all-star level uh type of performance i do feel it's like it was kind of one of those like mm, i know i can get away with this yeah, um, it's a bicon. It's a soft bicon for me. Listeners, I know you love Coco. Forty-five <laughs> percent icon, fifty-five percent bicon. Hoso Teratoma, look by Hoso. I think this was a great and simple interpretation of the ring in a way that it's true to Hoso and accessible for those who haven't seen either of the films. I wish she didn't have to hold the VH steps and let them drag. Oh after her it was a safe look in the sense that it didn't push boundaries but it worked for the challenge yeah i think if the yeah if the tapes were dragging behind her kind of more like a train mm-hmm. i think that would have been more fun especially because she has the tv in one hand and now she has like all the tapes in the other it's like yeah it's like it looks a little busy but i like the it's like you know it's from even if you're not familiar with the ring movies you know the idea, the the idea, the the basic premise of yeah. the wet hair, the hair, girl in the well, and so I do feel like she executed that perfectly. So it's like it's like we know what you're doing, and I think it also because not I don't think it depends on who I guess the audience for the ring. For me, it's like I'm only familiar with certain a certain level of it. So for me, whatever she did would be like it was reimagined. So. Harvey says she is their favorite tonight as they knew exactly who she was. They say the devil's in the detail and tonight she took them to hell. They say that not a moment was lost and it was a full performance from beginning to end. Drax says her performance was stellar and shocking. The TV behind her and the teeth in her head brought the horror and scary. Swan says the look was brought to a very fashionable place as the tape went through and into her hair, which went through and into the look and into the tape. It was an unending hellish video horror, which is the ring. Joe Bob says the hardest thing about doing the girl from the ring would be how to get people to identify the girl from the ring. And she did it immediately with the TV set and loved the dangling VHS tapes off the side because she looked like a zombie crawling out of the last surviving blockbuster. (laughs) It's an icon. That's an icon. 
Audience 95% icon, 5% bicon. Next up, we have Victoria Black Look by Collins, Creative Hair by Doll Hair Designs, Illustrations by Brian McMillan. Um, I knew it was a Crypt Keeper, but like, was it Crypt Keeper first time in drag realness? Um, I don't think she quite reinvented the character and more so give him a literal makeover. I think had she done, given us like the quintessential suit, but like maybe bedazzled the shit out of it or went like full glam gown, maybe this would have sold me. Like keep the black, give us the stunning gown. I don't know. I don't love this interpretation. The face is the best part. And we knew the, that the, the face. The, the rest face, left me desiring a lot more. I like the face and the hair. I guess for me, it's like, yeah, I think if you're trying to reinterpret it, making the Crypt Keeper a drag queen is an interpretation. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I guess if it would have been like, I think it's like, or I guess you could have also done maybe like, made it look like, I don't know how, I guess I'm not sure exactly sure, like do like half a body kind of thing. So the rest is like more rotting. Mm -hmm. It was the dress part that it like it's the dress kind of looks, especially in the looking at your background picture. The dress kind of looks more like you like burlap sack, like so it was just like yeah. putting this on because this is all I have to wear. Harvey says she has the Crypt Keeper down, and it's absolutely terrifying. They love the way she did the performance, and asks if she does voiceover work, and says that she could take the Crypt Keeper's voiceover job. Joe Bob says that he doesn't know what the hair is made of, but it's scary. He says her monologue was terrifying and like what she did in her attempt to bring the Crypt Keeper out of the, his chair and show us what was going on behind the eyes. Drax says she came to life with the character in Owning the Room. Swan says she loved the way she infused her horror icon with Victoria Black. She says she really struck that sweet spot of the nod to the icon, but also keeping true to the artist behind the icon. I'm going to give it a very soft icon because I think the, the face work does deserve the attention, but I just didn't love this interpretation. Well, even looking, because I'm looking at the picture, it did look like she, like, her chest makeup here, too, is scaly to make it look like it's, like, old mm -hmm. and dying. So I'm, I'm going to give it to her. I'll give her, I'm giving her the icon. Audience, 71% icon, 29% bicon. Eva Destruction, look by Emesis, hair by Wigs by Chips. I think this was an easy and literal and excellent execution of the Marchants from Mars Attacks. Rather than a dress, we got a bodysuit, and I guess bodysuits in the world of drag is a massive no-no. Mm -hmm. I think perhaps had we had been given a gown and maybe a reveal or something, that would have elevated it, but as far as recognizability, Eva did soar. The makeup and prosthetic were fine. The adhesive came off. That's fine. I mean, Melissa got away with looking like a foreskin, but hey, this show looks <laughs> Also, remember Melissa and her dangling nail that was coming off her fucking face? She got yeah. away with that one, too. Mm -hmm. until she quit I, exactly like i felt like when i saw this one that i felt like this was really the most like literal interpretation of it like i didn't feel like it was i don't feel like it, i didn't feel like it was much changed like the like who who does in the movies it's lisa marie who plays the character mm -hmm. and she's just like it's like an iconic like moment and scene with her so I do, yeah, I, I don't know if she could have been like, maybe if she would have had on like the mask of the of the Mars attack alien and then removed it to be the face. I don't know. I mean, she just changed the silhouette and that was it because it's not a dress, yeah. it's a bodysuit. Um, unfortunately, bodysuits just don't hold the weight that gowns do. So going to a bodysuit actually diminishes what they're looking for, I guess. Yeah. But at the end of the day, she did change it. I also felt like in their critiques, 
they were trying to sway the viewer to be like these are why we're saying the things we're saying so that we are not going to be surprised when we eliminate her in a few minutes correct so let's go through those harvey says Mm -hmm. that she was very much aware of her body and knew how to move with her props and how to maneuver her cape and that alone is what an artist does on their own to be familiar with their props and their movement so the audience doesn't have to worry for them drax says her characterization was fantastic once again she asks if she was having trouble with the prosthetic on the floor show. Eva says the lip was coming up, and in the end, it rolled up. Drax says that's probably because you were chewing gum. Okay. Swan says that her only criticism, which is that it's so close to the original and the only chan- change is the silhouette. She loves the spiky hips and the matching shoulders. The difference was she was in a gown, and Eva has transformed the look into a bodysuit, which is not enough. She says she brings it to her every ball, and it's the powerhouse when it comes to performance. Joe Bob says her performance was absolutely mesmerizing and she was a beautiful alien from a 1960s beach movie. He will claim that he's not sure that the Martians and Mars attacks are iconic, but if they're iconic to her, then they're iconic. Dude, if the Boulets are horror icons, then the fucking Martians and Mars attacks are exactly. iconic. Remember, exactly. Remember, Mars attacks was a graphic novel first. What a it was. It was a graphic novel turned into. It was a graphic novel turned into cards, turned into the, uh, turned into the film, and it was like a big production. Like what's like, like not late iconic. 90s. Like that. That Hello? pissed me off. Like you don't tell me this is the the man of the horror. Oh. He's not going to call Mars Attacks a horror film and horror icons. Come on. Or then he's like, or then he's like, well, that falls more sci-fi, really. So I don't consider it horror. Uh, I'll give those. it a soft icon. I know it could be better. And we have seen Eva do better, but it's still an icon. I will say, like, soft icon. I'm like, I like what she did uh, with it. Audience, 55% icon, 45% icon. Finally, we have Astrid Aurelia. No designer listed. I think the editors have a lot of explaining to do here. You gave Coco a free pass and edited her bit to be perfect because it was an homage to the show and the hosts. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Astrid has this light-up effect that is completely lost because you've green-screened over her. Literal bullshit. Was this the cleanest look Astrid has ever put out there? Not a chance. Is it cool looking? Sure. That was very cool looking, yeah. As far as a remake, it's in her own universe. It exists to be Predator because the silhouette is recognizable. It sucks that this is the week she had this look because it is in the bottom two of the week. And again, I ask if they knew the acting part of this challenge was included because she chose a non-speaking role and had seconds of a scene while others got to act out full monologues. This Mm -hmm. was just so unfair. Like this felt like it was all set up against Astrid no matter what happened. Yeah. yeah, I do feel like it was probably because they were they did the save, and they're like, we have to get rid of two people. I it did feel like, yeah, it felt like they, it felt like they were like, we're gonna. It was gonna come down to if say they had gotten rid of Ava the week that they did the double save, and these still this still was the top four. Like there, everything else went the same way in regards to eliminations. I do feel it production was like it's between Coco and Astro for that final spot. And they're like, we're gonna keep we've decided to keep Coco. So no matter what Astro does, she's not staying. So they're like, well, what can we do to to guarantee that? It's like, oh, let's add another part to the challenge. Can I ask you a controversial question? Mm-hmm. Let's say that the Boulets had not pre-recorded their video that we saw at the beginning of this episode 
where they were adamant that there was only going to be three in the finals, do you think they would have had four if they did not put themselves into a box? Yes. I do too. Mm-hmm. I absolutely think there is a final four here and they fucked themselves over by having that video message. Because of the video message, I think I think Ava would have stayed. I But I do feel I think they might have still gotten rid of Astrid though. Which is fine. I think it's fine. it was her time to go. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, that's the one thing. I felt like it was Astrid's time to go, but because they kept iterating the consequences of the double save, it was like, well, we have to get rid of Ava. And it's like, it's like, mm. It's funny that this entire season they're playing by their own rules, changing it on the spot. And when you really want something here and the fans really would love to have seen even the finals, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, no, 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 we have no. to keep our rules. We have to keep our rules, exactly, yeah. Joe Bob says it was a bold choice because she chose a creature that relies on half of special effects. He says she approximated those effects by decking herself out like a sinister Christmas tree with lights going off everywhere. He says she actually did an amazing thing because she put CGI on stage. Harvey had a concern with the prop and says it wasn't cohesive with the movement. They were looking forward to the ripping of the spine moment, but it stopped her from being fully in character. And again, I asked if she knew that she had to do this because I guarantee you knowing her she would have brought the stuff she needed. She would have brought that, exactly. Swan says she loves that she chose Predator because it completes the Alien vs. Predator movie that they've been making up in their mind. She says they needed an iconic movie moment and feels like that piece fell a little short. Drax says it might have been challenging for her because she chose a character that couldn't speak. She thinks the look is very creative and not her strongest look she's had on the season. She says she is seeing some club-style clothing mixed in there that might be throwing her off a little bit, but thinks it's an interesting interpretation. So basically, it's not what I wanted or what I would have done, so you did bad. Exactly. I think it could have been better, but it's still an icon. Oh, it's oh, definitely an icon, yeah. Audience, 52% icon, 48% bicon. Y'all were very rude this week. I don't know what's going <laughs> on. Now, there will only be one winner, and that iconic winner is Hoso, who is guaranteed a spot in the grand finale. Now, the belays are like because saving two of them in a previous challenge, there would be consequences that a debt has to be paid. So all four of them are ascending the staircase of souls and two of them are returning. I mean, can we learn how the pairs were matched up? Because that's where I also like to call bullshit. The moment they paired them up as it was Astrid and Coco, I was like, oh, he was going home for sure. Uh, but also you're like, yeah, what? how did they decide on which two? Like if you victoria and and astrid then that that made sense and then you would have a little bit of like tension for the audience being like oh my god coco or eva this it could go either way but once you saw astrid next to coco you're like you're getting rid of astrid and eva are you fucking kidding me Mm -hmm. yeah i think if it would have been if they would have played victoria and astrid against as the first two to go up and you're like, well, okay, well, Astrid for sure. But then you're like, but I don't know about the other two. It's like, it could go either way. But again, because maybe, they, when they went that way, it's like, hmm. Maybe what we are seeing is not what was in their reality as they mm-hmm. were presenting this show in real time. Because it just doesn't, it doesn't fit with my fantasy. Well, also too, when after they do the floor show and then they just have the boules talking to each other where they start digging in like what they liked and what they didn't like about the girls before they do the, you know, bring the judges in. Which we don't talk about this podcast because it means jack shit to the actual production. It means jack shit, but they also, those those moments where they bring in like, oh yeah, she really was messing up those dance steps and they cut to that part of the performance that you didn't see because they edited it all out and you're just like, 
what what why i'd rather see them mess up to know it's like this is why they might be on the bottom this week than being told oh this is why no, they're thinking tell. of doing it exactly we're in the cauldron and we have one last chance to hear why they should stay and rather why the producers are telling them the people who are staying are staying so it fits with their narrative and storyline but not what the viewers have been viewing all season long Hoso feels the eyes burning in the back of her head as she is part of the reason why the consequences was there in the first place. Well, actually, no. If the Boulets were saying the truth, that Eva would have gone home. But uh, whatever, Samantha. Yeah. Eva stands by her top three of her Victoria and Hoso, and I still agree with that one in this moment. But Coco is pissed off that they have to deal with the consequences. Girl, if there was a fucking extermination challenge, you would have had the right to be a, a tad upset here, but you mm-hmm. were literally doing nothing. None of you were doing anything to save yourself. No. We're all in the whim of the blades. Exactly. Hosa says it's, that she can't... Go ahead. I was thinking, because in the first episode was the only episode they did the elimination yeah. vote, and I'm wondering if they if it was like, no, it's too... If they, after they filmed the first episode and they, they could have realized, no, it feels too drag racy, so we're going we're gonna, to... We're not going to do that anymore. That's but what I feel Then bring like. back the extermination challenges. Then Make they should have weight at the end. Exactly. Make it have weight instead of it's like you're going to be dropped back down to hell. It's like. Hoso says that she can't say that she wishes it could be different because that would mean she would not be in the position she's in. She tries to look at it through a positive light, but they all got to show everything that they brought, which is not true because they still have one more look at least. Yeah. Astrid wants a top five and notorious like that doesn't sound like a consequence to me. No shit, Sherlock. No, the same RuPaul's Drag Race is in 14. Astrid feels like she's just not been good enough throughout the competition. It is clear to her that she had the lowest score of the night and the heaviest critiques. She wants to feel like that what she does is worthy of making it to the finale and shown on an international tour. She feels like she's doing everything in her power to do that, and she needs somebody to say that it is. Is she being a brat here? Is she like all of us and just voicing our need for validation? Like, she's in a vulnerable position. I don't blame the girl. I think in a way it's like it, I don't know if it'd be if it's really bratty, but it does feel like I think it's one of those things where she I think she just wants to make sure that, the, that her peers see her on the Absolutely. same level. I think that's what it is. So I think that's what it's coming across as like not necessarily validation really, but just to be like these are my peers in this competition, and I want to, I just want one of them to 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 be like girl. You deserve it just as much as the rest of us. Eva says that regardless of what happens, it will not define who she is as an artist and creator because everything that happens after this is all in her control. Which Ash was like, except for the tour. She will even say that she will take them saying that she's not that she's in the finale and she can go on tour, but she can't win the hundred thousand dollars. She'll take that deal. Makova says that if Asha wants to go on tour so bad, maybe she should go tour the trap door. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Hoso tells her that there are people around her that believe in her so much, and the room is full of it. Cut to the rest of the room not believing in an Astrid. <laughs> it's so that it is shady. Hoso will say to her that every time that she thinks she's annoying, she thinks of Astrid and says that this bitch lives, her in, annoying, lives in her annoyance and is proud of it. I was like, that's a shady moment. But that at least is cute because they're, they're lovers. Mm-hmm. Victoria says that Astrid has given up, and when you give up the competition, they give up on you, and you go down the hole. It just reminded me of um, Tiny Toons. Want to go down the hole? Yeah, Want to go, go down the hole? Want to go down the hole? Plucky duck, yeah, plucky. Mm-hmm. 
Coco is going to ask the hard question, considering she is her horror icons right now. Mm-hmm. As the person in the finale, who is on the right and left of you? Make that hard call. Now, Hoso's answer is not the diplomatic, and she stands by it. So she will say that hearing Astrid wanting to go on tour so bad, she believes that she believes in herself. But regardless, the finale of this competition, she just can't, can't justify her over anyone else. Next, she will say that Coco is an amazing artist and has a voice that must be heard and that says that seeing her in the finale will inspire so many people in the world. She wants her there in the finale with her. Okay. And then she says that Victoria did well and she has the chance to go up to the top and show everything she's got. But she says that the emotional undiplomatic part of her thinks that Eva has not had the chance and deserves to be in the spot and to have the chance to prove herself and show her view from the top like she and Victoria already have. Shady. Mm-hmm. Victoria will say that Hosa was a little shady kind that's afraid of her, and she thinks they all deserve to have the spot. But Hosa knows that she's contradicting herself as she was up there last time as she won the challenge, so who cares? Ashid says that she will be staying because no one believes she is in the top three and she wants to prove them wrong. Oh. Victoria believes she is not going home because she has shown what she can do with a competition and has the talent to show a $100,000 performance. And she knows who she who Victoria is. She is here to say every ounce of her being is in this title. Toko says she is moving on because if she wasn't a cunt, sickening, and gaggy, she wouldn't have made it this far or back at all. Everything that she is, is everything that is the competition calls for, she goes on to say that she's lived the life. She is Dracula. Eva doesn't think she's going home because she believes that this has truly been an amazing journey. She says she will feel completely dissatisfied if she doesn't make it into the finale, and that is the beast that still has to be fed. Uh-huh. Coco thinks it's Astrid and Eva going home as Eva is trying to, too hard to prove something what it need, when it needs to be proven to herself, and Astrid could have been a man, put a band-aid on that bullet as well. After I last Astrid- week and after this week, I, I really just like this whole pushing Coco narrative. Uh-huh. It's almost like they're being like, oh my God, Coco could be our first black winner. What is with this Saint Erasure here? Oh, mm-hmm. Am I missing something? I don't know. It feels like a last-ditch effort to change to make the storyline into to justify what happens. To justify, yeah. I don't know. Unless unless Coco delivers something like I don't I don't I don't She's see not them on the same level. Her. She's not on the same level. And that's Compa- the thing compared with- to her and Hoso, I'm like, yeah, or Hoso and Victoria. Like or honestly, Eva. I feel like, or yeah, Eva too. But I do I feel like I feel like it's always been between Hoso and, and Victoria. I, I, I agree. So, uh, I know there are a lot of listeners yeah. to this podcast who are going to probably message me and be like, you're an asshole. Everything you're saying is wrong. We love Coco. And that's fine. Drag is art. Art is subjective. But I am here to talk about what is presented on this television show. Coco Kane is by far one of the best reality television show characters we've ever had. She makes great TV. She's made that great TV this absolutely season. absolutely true. When it comes to the presentation of the drag aspect on this show, it's not nearly good enough. We head to the ghostly gallery to watch our monsters ascend the staircase of souls. First up is Coco and Astrid, and it's with a heavy heart. Coco stays. Astrid is eliminated. Next up is Eva and Victoria. They will say Victoria, but the door stays closed for her as Eva is eliminated. 
I thought I was like, I literally was like, there's there's those shady bitches. They were that was some shade right there. Cause they've I, never I, done that before. I agree. It'd be you. one thing if they've done it before where they've announced the name and the trapdoor goes for the other person and be like, you've stayed, you're still continuing. But this was that was the first time they ever did that. Yeah. Um, I think it's clear that at least I do not agree with this elimination. I say justice for even motherfucking destruction. Um, I do feel I do feel like I do feel Coco should have gone home. I think Eva should have stayed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, again. And, and she's like, this is the last show. time you see of me. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you do with Eva. You can't bring her back again and expect her to do anything better. She's no. given you top tier drag both times she's been on the show. The first time she did her drag, it didn't fit the mold of what the Boulets wanted. She adjusted it and she did great. I don't mm-hmm. know what else you can actually expect from the person. Yeah. You put Astrid back on to another season, I think she will grow and she's continuing, but I, I don't know. Why would you bring her back again? Like, that's the thing with this, with an all-star season, you t- tend not to bring people back unless it's been like five to ten years. Juju. Yeah, because it took, yeah, it took like, it wasn't until season five where they brought, where they finally brought back someone. No, season three. Four. Yeah, four, four, four. It wasn't until season four where they were like, we're going to bring back All-Star 1 girls to give them a second chance. And then two years later, All-Star 6 was like, oh, we're going to start bringing back All-Star 2 girls now to give them a second chance. And you're like, okay, well, as long as you, I guess, want to come back and compete and go through the rigor or more, do it. I got some burning questions to wrap up this podcast. Are you ready? Yes. What are Astrid and Eva's legacies? Um, unfortunately, Astrid's legacy is the throuple. Like, it sucks. She, it sucks. She that that became the storyline right away, and she never escaped that. But I think I think Eva has proven. But like I said earlier, I think I think Astrid was able to get the redemption from mm-hmm. her season this time around. And I will say the same with Eva. I think Eva has proven that she is that she does fit the mold of Dragula. Eva is going to be the best Dragula monster to never make it to the finale. Mm-hmm. And maybe one of the best monsters to never win. I also feel like, because I remember back when Eva came on season three, she was one of those queens that everyone was always floating on speculation drag race. And it was like, and then she got on... Then she never made it on Drag Race. She never, they never moved her forward. Then she got Dragula. And I do, I think maybe there was that little thing behind her of like, well, you're not really a monster. Um, like a lot of these girls get, like, they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're not, you're not quite what, what, the, what they want, as I say. Um, but I do feel like I think, do you know what she said best? She's Eva fucking destruction. And I think she will be able to continue to, you know, show off her skills yeah and there's always going to be a big part of the fan base who is always going to disagree with this decision and mm-hmm. you know what not a bad place to be you know what and honestly that could have also been part of it been like you know what it's going to serve you better going out now than have than losing than if you were to make it a finale it might lose will we ever find out what that coco just lost her shit and find out where she lost it 
It's going to be one of those, like, it's a bag. It was a suitcase that got that was misplaced. That's what it's going to be. That's, yeah. And that's where all the stuff is. After eight episodes, the winner of the season is? I think it's Victoria. There's no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Especially because I felt like Victoria could have won the Resurrection special as well. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that she was really close with, I think her, Dolly, and Saint were all so close. That's where I feel like, I'm like, I feel like we know that she can deliver. So it's one of those, like, I'm not surprised because she made it the finale. She was top three her season, right? Uh, uh, yes. So I think I, she was my winner. She was who I was rooting for. Oh, up I, until, most people were. And then bitch footing came out of left field was like, bitch, where did this come from? And it was like, all right. Yeah. Well, this was fun. Where can we find you on social media and Venmo and any projects you want to plug? I am on uh, Instagram at Harry is precious is Harry. Uh, Venmo is precious envy. And uh, depending on when this comes out, uh, Monday night, the 19th, I will be at Rock Bar uh, for my annual holiday show. We're all misfits. Uh, It's, you know, it's going to start after nine. I have a plethora of misfits joining me uh, for the night. And it's going to be nothing but like holiday tunes. I have prizes you can win. And then, Tons of alcohol to get us through the holidays. We love it. Well, thank you mm-hmm. so much for being here. No problem. Thank you for having me. You know, you know, I love to dish about the girls. 